Chapter Seventeen of By Pike and Dyke: A Tale of the Rise of the Dutch Republic. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. By Pike and Dyke by G. A. Henty. Chapter Seventeen: A Rescue. At twelve o'clock on the following day, Ned went to the town hall, and on stating that he was the bearer of an order from the council, was at once shown into the chamber in which three of the magistrates were sitting i am the bearer of an order from the council for the delivery to me of the persons of the countess von harp her daughter and the woman arrested in company with them for conveyance to brussels there to answer the charges against them this is the order of the council with their seal ordering all magistrates to render assistance to me as one of their servants this is the special order for the handing over to me of the prisoners named the magistrates took the first order glanced at it and at the seal and perfectly satisfied with this gave a casual glance at that for the transferring of the prisoners i think you were about a year since with councillor von art one of the magistrates said ned bowed by the way did i not hear that you were missing or that some misfortune had befallen you some months since i have a vague recollection of doing so yes i was sorely maltreated by a band of robber peasants who left me for dead but as you see i am now completely recovered i suppose you have some men with you to escort the prisoners one of the magistrates asked assuredly ned replied i have with me three men behind whom the women will ride the magistrates countersigned the order upon the governor of the prison to hand over the three prisoners and gave it with the letter of the council to ned he bowed and retired i should not have remembered him again the magistrate who had been the chief speaker said after he had left the room had it not been for that villainous cast in his eyes i remember noticing it when he was here last time and wondered that von art should like to have a man whose eyes were so crossways about him otherwise i do not recall the face at all which is not surprising seeing that i only saw him for a minute or two and noticed nothing but that abominable squint of his ned walked back to his inn ordered his horse to be saddled at two o'clock and partook of a hearty meal then paying his reckoning he went out and mounted his horse as he did so three men in green doublets and red hose rode up and took their places behind him on arriving at the prison he dismounted and handing his horse to one of his followers entered i have an order from the council countersigned by the magistrates here for the delivery to me of three prisoners the warder showed him into a room the governor is ill he said and confined to his bed but i will take the order to him ned was pleased with the news for he thought it likely that genet might have been there before on similar errands and his person be known to the governor in ten minutes the warder returned the prisoners are without he said and ready to depart pulling his bonnet well down over his eyes ned went out into the courtyard you are to accompany me to brussels countess he said gruffly horses are waiting for you without the countess did not even glance at the official who had thus come to convey her to what was in all probability death but followed through the gate into the street the men backed their horses up to the block of stone used for mounting ned assisted the females to the pillions and when they were seated mounted his own horse and led the way down the street many of the people as they passed along groaned or hooted for the feeling in maastricht was strongly in favor of the patriot side a feeling for which they were some years later to be punished by almost total destruction of the city and the slaughter of the greater portion of its inhabitants 
ned paid no attention to these demonstrations but quickening his horse into a trot rode along the street and out of the gate of the city as the road was a frequented one he maintained his place at the head of the party until they had left the city nearly two miles behind them on arriving at a small crossroad one of the men said this is the way sir it is up this road that the cart is waiting ned now reined back his horse to the side of that on which the countess was riding countess he said have you forgotten the english lad you aided a year ago in brussels the countess started i recognize you now sir she said coldly and little did i think at that time that i should next see you as an officer of the council of blood ned smiled your mistake is a natural one countess but in point of fact i am still in the service of the prince of orange and have only assumed this garb as a means of getting you and your daughter out of the hands of those murderers i am happy to say that you are free to go where you will these good fellows are like myself disguised and are at your service in a few minutes we shall come to a cart which will take you wheresoever you like to go and there are disguises similar to those with which you once fitted me out in readiness for you there the surprise of the countess for a moment kept her silent but gertrude who had overheard what was said burst into exclamations of delight pardon me for having doubted you the countess exclaimed much affected no pardon is required countess seeing that the prison authorities handed you over to me you could not but have supposed that i was as i seemed in the service of the council just at this moment they came upon a cart drawn up by the roadside ned assisted the countess and her daughter to alight and while he was rendering similar assistance to the old servant mother and daughter threw themselves into each other's arms and wept with delight at this unexpected delivery that had befallen them it was some time before they were sufficiently recovered to speak but how do you come here the countess asked ned and how have you effected this miracle ned briefly related how he had heard of their captivity and the manner in which he had been enabled to effect their escape and now countess he said the day is wearing on and it is necessary that you should at once decide upon your plans will you again try to make to the german frontier or to the sea-coast or remain in hiding here we cannot make for germany without again crossing the mars the countess said and it is a long way to the sea-coast what say you magdalen i think the old woman said that you had best carry out the advice i gave you before it is a little more than twelve miles from here to the village where as i told you i have relations living we can hire a house there and there is no chance of your being recognized i can send a boy thence to brussels to fetch the jewels and money you left in charge of your friend the count von dort there that will certainly be the best way magdalen we can wait there until either there is some change in the state of affairs or until we can find some safe way of escape it is fortunate indeed that i left my jewels in brussels instead of taking them with me as i had at first intended it will hardly be necessary will it she asked ned to put on the disguises for nothing in the world can be simpler than our dresses at present you had certainly best put the peasant cloaks and caps on inquiries are sure to be made all through the country when they find at maastricht how they have been tricked three peasant women in a cart will attract no attention whatever even in passing through villages but dressed as you are now someone might notice you and recall it if inquiries were made 
the three men who had aided in the scheme had ridden off as soon as the cart was reached and ned being anxious that the party should be upon their way and desirous too of avoiding the expressions of gratitude of the three women hurried them into the cart it was not necessary for them to change their garments as the peasants cloaks completely enveloped them and the high head-dresses quite changed their appearance do not forget countess i hope some day to see you in england ned said as they took their seats i will not forget the countess said and only wish that at present i was on my way thither after a warm farewell and seeing the cart fairly on its way ned mounted his horse and rode northwest he slept that night at hirenthals and on the following night at bois le duc here he sold his horse for a few crowns and taking boat proceeded down the dommel into the maas and then on to rotterdam on his arrival at delft he was heartily welcomed by the prince who was greatly pleased to hear that he had without any accident or hitch carried out successfully the plan he had proposed to himself three weeks later the prince heard from his correspondent at maastricht the letter was cautiously worded as were all those interchanged lest it should fall into the hands of the spanish there has been some excitement here a week since a messenger arrived from brussels with orders that three female prisoners confined here should be sent at once to brussels but curiously enough it was found that the three prisoners in question had been handed over upon the receipt of a previous order this is now pronounced to be a forgery and it is evident that the authorities have been tricked there has been much search and inquiry but no clue whatever has been obtained as to the direction taken by the fugitives or concern those engaged in this impudent adventure alva's reign of terror and cruelty was now drawing to an end his successor was on his way out and the last days of his administration were embittered by his failure of his plans the retreat of his army from before alkmaar and the naval defeat from the zuider zee but he continued his cruelties to the end massacres on a grand scale were soon carried on and a nobleman named Ertenhove, who had been taken prisoner was condemned to be roasted to death before a slow fire and was accordingly fastened by a chain to a stake around which a huge fire was kindled he suffered in slow torture a long time until dispatched by the executioner with a spear a piece of humanity that greatly angered the duke alva had contracted an enormous amount of debt both public and private in amsterdam and now caused a proclamation to be issued that all persons having demands upon him were to present their claims on a certain day on the previous night he and his train noiselessly took their departure the heavy debts remained unpaid and many opulent families were reduced to beggary such was the result of the confidence of the people of amsterdam in the honor of their tyrant on the seventeenth of november don louis de requesin grand commander of st iago alva's successor arrived in brussels and on the eighteenth of december the duke of alva left he is said to have boasted on his way home that he had caused eighteen thousand inhabitants of the provinces to be executed during the period of his government this was however a mere nothing to the number who had perished in battle siege starvation and massacre after the departure of their tyrant the people of the netherlands breathed more freely for they hoped that under their new governor there would be a remission in the terrible agony they had suffered and for a time his proclamations were of a conciliatory nature but it was soon seen that there was no change in policy peace was to be given only on the condition of all protestants recanting or leaving their country 
the first military effort of the new governor was to endeavor to relieve the city of middleburg the capital of the island of walcheren which had long been besieged by the protestants mondragon the governor was sorely pressed by famine and could hold out but little longer unless rescue came the importance of the city was felt by both parties Requizen himself went up to bergen op zoom where seventy-five ships were collected under the command nominally of admiral de Glein, but really under that of julian romero while another fleet of thirty ships was assembled at antwerp under de avila and moved down towards flushing there to await the arrival of that of romero upon the other hand the prince of orange collected a powerful fleet under the command of admiral boisseau and himself paid a visit to the ships and assembling the officers roused them to enthusiasm by a stirring address on the twentieth of january the good venture again entered the port of delft and hearing that a battle was expected in a few days captain martin determined to take part in it as soon as he had unloaded his cargo he called the crew together and informed them of his determination but said that as this was no quarrel of theirs any who chose could remain on shore until his return but englishmen felt that the cause of holland was their own and not a single man on board availed himself of this permission ned informed the prince of orange of his father's intention and asked leave to accompany him assuredly you may go if you please the prince said but i fear that sooner or later the fortune of war will deprive me of you and i should miss you much moreover almost every sailor in port is already in one or other of Boisseau's ships and i fear that with your weak crew you would have little chance if engaged with one of these spanish ships full of men we have enough to work our cannon sir ned said besides i think we may be able to beat up some volunteers there are many english ships in port waiting for cargoes which come in but slowly and i doubt not that some of them will gladly strike a blow against the spaniards ned and peters accordingly went round among the english vessels and in the course of two hours had collected a hundred volunteers in those days every englishman regarded a spaniard as a natural enemy drake and hawkins and other valiant captains were warring fiercely against them in the indian seas and officers and men in the ships in delft were alike eager to join in the forthcoming struggle against them the good venture had flying the dutch flag joined boisseau's fleet at romersweil a few miles below bergen on the twenty seventh of january and when the hollanders became aware of the nationality of the vessel which had just joined them they welcomed them with tremendous cheers two days later the fleet of romero were seen coming down the river in three divisions when the first of the spanish ships came near they delivered a broadside which did considerable execution among the dutch fleet there was no time for further cannonading a few minutes later the fleets met in the narrow channel and the ships grappling with each other a hand-to-hand -hand struggle began the fighting was of the most desperate character no quarter was asked or given on either side and men fought with fury hand-to-hand -hand upon decks slippery with blood but the combat did not last long the spaniards had little confidence in themselves on board ship their discipline was now of little advantage to them and the savage fury with which the zealanders fought shook their courage fifteen ships were speedily captured and twelve hundred spaniards slain and the remainder of the fleet which on account of the narrowness of the passage had not been able to come into action retreated to bergen 
romero himself whose ship had grounded sprang out of a porthole and swam ashore and landed at the very feet of the grand commander who had been standing all day upon the dike in the midst of a pouring rain only to be a witness of the total defeat of his fleet mondragon now capitulated receiving honorable conditions the troops were allowed to leave the place with their arms ammunition and personal property and mondragon engaged himself to procure the release of sante alagonde and four other prisoners of rank or to return and give himself up as a prisoner of war requisin however neither granted the release of the prisoners nor permitted mondragon to return it was well for these prisoners that bossu was in the hands of the prince had it not been for this they would have all been put to death with the fall of middleburg the dutch and zealanders remained masters of the entire line of sea-coast but on land the situation was still perilous leyden was closely invested and all communications by land between the various cities suspended the sole hope that remained was in the army raised by count louis he had raised three thousand cavalry and six thousand infantry and accompanied by the prince's other two brothers crossed the rhine in a snowstorm and marched towards maastricht the prince of orange had on his part with the greatest difficulty raised six thousand infantry and wrote to count louis to move to join him in the isle of bommel after he had reduced maastricht but the expedition like those before it was destined to failure a thousand men deserted seven hundred more were killed in a night surprise and the rest were mutinous for their pay finally count louis found himself confronted by a force somewhat inferior in numbers to his own but the spanish infantry were well disciplined and obedient those of louis were mercenaries and discontented and although at first his cavalry gained an advantage it was a short one and after a fierce action his army was entirely defeated count louis finding that the day was lost gathered a little band of troopers and with his brother count henry and christopher son of the elector palatine charged into the midst of the enemy they were never heard of more the battle terminated in a horrible butchery at least four thousand men were either killed in the field suffocated in the marshes drowned in the river or burned in the farmhouses in which they had taken refuge count louis and his brother and friend probably fell on the field but stripped of their clothing disfigured by wounds and the trampling of horses their bodies were never recognized the defeat of the army and the death of his two brave brothers was a terrible blow to the prince of orange he was indeed paying dear for his devotion to his country his splendid fortune had been entirely spent his life had been one of incessant toil and anxiety his life had been several times threatened with assassination he had seen his every plan thwarted save on the sandy slip of coast by the ocean the whole of the netherlands was still prostrate beneath the foot of the spaniard and now he had lost two of his brothers england and france had alternately encouraged and stood aloof from him and after all these efforts and sacrifices the prospects of ultimate success were gloomy in the extreme fortunately the spaniards were not able to take full advantage of their victory over the army of count louis they differed from the german mercenaries inasmuch as that while the latter mutinied before they fought the spaniards fought first and mutinied afterwards having won a great battle they now proceeded to defy their generals three years pay were due to them and they took the steps that they had always adopted upon these occasions 
a commander called the eletto was chosen by acclamation a board of councillors was appointed to assist and control him while the councillors were narrowly watched by the soldiers they crossed the maas and marched to antwerp the grand commander hastened there to meet them and when they arrived in perfect military order he appeared before them on horseback and made them an oration promising that their demands should be satisfied the soldiers simply replied we want money not words requisan consulted the city council and demanded four hundred thousand crowns to satisfy the troops the citizens hesitated at providing so enormous an amount knowing by past experience that it would never be repaid the soldiers however employed their usual methods they quartered themselves upon the houses of the citizens and insisted upon being supplied with rich food wine and luxuries of all kinds and in a week or two the burghers saw that they must either pay or be ruined an offer was accordingly made of ten months arrears in cash five months in silks and woolen cloths and the rest in promises to be fulfilled within a few days the eletto declared that he considered the terms satisfactory whereupon the troops at once deposed him and elected another carousing and merry-making went on at the expense of the citizens and after suffering for some weeks from the extortions and annoyance of the soldiers the four hundred thousand crowns demanded by requisen were paid over and the soldiers received all their pay due either in money or goods a great banquet was held by the whole mass of soldiery and there was a scene of furious revelry the soldiers arrayed themselves in costumes cut from the materials they had just received broadcloths silks satins and gold embroidered brocades were hung in fantastic drapery over their ragged garments and when the banquet was finished gambling began but when they were in the midst of their revelry the sound of cannon was heard boisseau had sailed up the skelt to attack the fleet of the avila which had hastened up to antwerp for refuge after the defeat of romero there was a short and sharp action and fourteen of the spanish ships were burnt or sunk the soldiers swarmed down to the dike and opened a fire of musketry upon the dutch they were however too far off to effect any damage and boisseau with a few parting broadsides sailed triumphantly down the river having again struck a heavy blow at the naval power of spain the siege of leyden had been raised when count louis crossed the rhine the troops being called in from all parts to oppose his progress the prince of orange urged upon the citizens to lose no time in preparing themselves for a second siege to strengthen their walls and above all to lay in stores of provisions but as ever the dutch burghers although ready to fight and to suffer when the pinch came were slow and apathetic unless in the face of necessity and in spite of the orders and entreaties of the prince nothing whatever was done and the spaniards when they returned before the city on the twenty sixth of may after two months absence found the town as unprepared for resistance as it had been at their first coming and that the citizens had not even taken the trouble to destroy the forts that they had raised round it leyden stood in the midst of broad and fruitful pastures reclaimed from the sea around were numerous villages with blooming gardens and rich orchards innumerable canals cut up the country and entering the city formed its streets these canals were shaded with trees crossed by a hundred and forty-five bridges upon an artificial elevation in the centre of the city rose a ruined tower of great antiquity assigned either to the saxons before they crossed to england or with greater probability to the romans 
the force which now appeared before the town consisted of eight thousand walloons and germans commanded by valdez they lost no time in taking possession of the hague and all the villages and forts round leyden five hundred english volunteers under command of colonel chester abandoned the fort of valkenburg which had been entrusted to them and fled towards leyden not as yet had the english soldiers learnt to stand before the spaniards but the time was ere long to come when having acquired confidence in themselves they were to prove themselves more than a match for the veterans of spain the people of leyden refused to open their gates to the fugitives and they surrendered to valdez as at that moment a mission was on the point of starting from requisant to queen elizabeth the lives of the prisoners were spared and they were sent back to england End of chapter 17